from the Northeast Forest Alliance, 30th anniversary. You're with Environmental as Anything on River FM 92.9. On this auspicious occasion. If we've got any, have we got anybody else willing to get, to get up and do a story? We want to hear from all the storytellers out there about the history of this campaign. There's people out there listening in over the radio. So get up on stage. Come on, don't be shy. So we've got a couple of people here who are at Chalundi who are going to give us a story. Kath, you go first. Bunjalung Nation and pay my respects to the elders, past, present and future. I was at Chalundi. I was a young mum. It was my first ever block. I lived not far from Dorigo. And so a lot of people around our neck of the woods were going up there and the actions were absolutely incredible. Each day there'd be some awesome blockade set up and the one that I'm going to talk about today was uh, a really intense one. It was a few, quite a few days in and it was when a big busload of people from some NGO came up from Sydney and they'd already gotten through several of, they got through like the the lock-on with Ned and Scottish John. Then, if memory serves me correctly, there were the pipes and Catherine over there was in one of those. And uh, there was a fire blocking the road. There was uh, the tripod with the classic uh, photograph with one of the guys that travelled with us, Andy, the Aboriginal fellow, was on there and Ian Cohen and one of the girls uh, from Pillar Valley and uh, another girl, young girl, and the one that was getting squashed was the girl from Pillar, Cal uh, Pillar Valley. But uh, moving on after that, of course, there was that fantastic monopole with the Star of David on there. Then there was the Rick van with the tripod over it as well, and that took lots of cops to burl that one over. But then there was this one where it was... I can't remember if they were tripods or bipods, but there was one at either end with a pole in the middle and there was Mick Lonigan down one end. I forget who was at the other end and that was where we were all sitting and there was like about 100 people that day because there was this busload up from the city. And in the middle was a guy called Phil that was doing street theatre sitting in a nest and he was very entertaining and this action was really intense and it went on and on and on with all the people like sitting on the ground locked on. I was in the front row and we were all saying, you know, we will not, we not, will not be moved just like a tree that's standing in Shailandi. We shall not be moved. And we were there and it was just electric and there were the Iceman all around and the people lining the streets and they got Mick down with the cherry picker and all the way through Phil was just doing this fantastic street theatre in his big bird's nest and then they came and got the, the guy that was in the um, tripod right in front of where I was sitting in the front row and the police got him down and then my partner somehow miraculously just ran up there and took his spot. So there was somebody else 
sitting up there then, but um, that really pissed off the Icemen and they got really aggressive and when they got him down, I remember Dylan was liaising and my partner threw his herbal package down to me before the police got him and uh, then he was getting dragged away by the two cops quite brutally in a, an, in a wrist lock on each side and I was running along in front with my camera taking uh, photographs and it was, you know, quite hectic and those court cases we had to travel from Dorigo up all the way up to Lismore to go to court and uh, he actually didn't get the heavy charge that we thought he was going to get because the police thought that he was um, being violent to to them. And, of course, he outsmarted them when he ran up the pole, so that was what really pissed them off. But that was just so exciting to, like, be there and to be part of this. And as a young mum, we were camped up Liberation Fire Trail and we used to go to the Liberation cafe and hats off to everybody that was there. In the evening, we used to huddle around. If Ian Cohen was there in his van, he had a little black and white telly in the back and we'd see if we'd made the news that night. And uh, great memories and all the people that I met there, they're like a tribe, they're like a family. There were rolling blockades all through the 90s and uh, I've lived on a few communities and I just would like to say that the best sense of community that I've ever experienced was being part of the NEFA forest actions in the 90s. Thank you. Jeremy, you've got one. G'day, look... um I wasn't really part of the sort of fast and furious action at Chalundi. My friends and I had been um, entertaining and street busking and being part of the uh, first Brisbane Fringe Festival for several months, and uh, we were we were part of the uh, uh, the promotion for the first Brisbane Fringe. And you've got to remember that the Brisbane coming out of the uh, Joe Bjorki-Peterson era was a really hard sort of a, a task for anyone doing any sort of different art. You know, we actually sort of got into trouble with the police and everything. So we were, we were fairly honed, you know, and we came down to Nimbin to record some of the music that we'd been uh, working on up in the street. And uh, then we heard about the um, the blockade at Chalundi. We heard that things had got really violent. It was uh, the time of the Bart Pipes. I hope someone tells about the Bart Pipes and the, the digging of people out of the middle of the road. And there was, there was things were quite violent. And uh, I grabbed my uh, cohort and said, come on, let's get down there to Chalundi. And we got there in the middle of the night and they were all hotted up uh, um, HQ so you could hear it rumbling up the mountain. <laughs> and, uh, and we got there and uh, in the morning Ian Cohen came down to a, uh, a log in the middle of the road and the, uh, the police and the loggers and the foresters were on the other side of it and they kind of all had their one foot up on the log and Ian Cohen had his 
foot up on the log and me and my entertainer mates, we came down and we put our foots up on the log too, you know, like as you do. And Ian said, yeah, well, actually the cops were really freaked out, you know, like they they really hadn't sort of... Uh, thought that things were going to get quite as uh, violent as they did. But, you know, so, so to be fair, we're, we were kind of playing into a, a vacuum um, because the, the police had, uh, had decided that things had got a bit far and Ian Cohen just looked across and said, it's all right, the entertainers are here. Well, we we had been used to entertaining all sorts of people on the streets of Brisbane, and and we didn't really differentiate between the the loggers and the police and whoever was there. They were part of our audience, and that was the ethos that we developed up there in 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 the post Bielke Peterson Brisbane, and uh, and so we proceeded just to. Play music for whoever was there, entertain whoever was there, be clowns. You know, we had these sort of amazing costumes of fat suits and 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 stubby shorts with big prosthetic bum cracks and all sorts of stuff we had. And uh, and anyway, uh, uh, what well, the way things had been going was was the the police weren't camping there on site. They were camping right down there in, in Grafton and it took them about an hour and a half to get there and they had to come up at about the speed of the cherry picker, which was a lot slower than, you know, a lot slower than the police vehicles. And, and what would happen is uh, as we'd sort of hear the, hear the convoy coming and have another cup of tea and maybe a joint or something and... And then decide to sort of get up the tripods. But one morning, this this special morning, there was uh, in 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 proof that there is such a thing as police intelligence. The uh, the the police actually left the cherry picker and sped up ahead in an attempt to try and capture the tripod before anyone climbed up it. And there was this uh, down at Liberation Cafe, and you know, we were all recovering from the night before because what happened was they used to destroy one blockade and then during the night another one would have to be constructed. So there was people sort of working all night and things were a bit tired in the morning, you know, so, so having an extra cup of tea and whatever and, and, and suddenly, you know, the police are arriving and there was this big scream, you know, quick, quick, them and everyone else had been running up there and I stopped them. Oh, that's me. <laughs> what am I going to do? Why ask the clown to do anything? You know? and, uh, and I looked around and there was, there was a few pieces of yesterday's sawn up tripods that were about this high and I quickly assembled them into a tripod and wrapped it up with some pieces of string that were left there because they chopped all the rope up as well. So I had a, a tripod that was about, you know, a bit less than a metre tall. But it was in the middle of the road and they couldn't actually drive around it because that's the, that's the idea. When you're putting a tripod up, you have to put it in a location where where you can't drive around it, you know. So, so there I was... You know, the police are coming around the corner and I sat on my tripod. 
my eyes were about on the level of the oncoming headlights. And they screamed to a halt. And by this time, they, they were actually a little bit used to our sort of sense of humour, you know. And we're on first-name basis with most of the police. And, uh, and the inspector came and he sort of looked down at me. And he said, what's this then? And I said, well, this is my tripod. And he said, well, yeah, forgive me for sort of stating the bleeding obvious, but what's to stop us from just picking you up and moving you off the road? And now I can only say that the muse of the forest took my mind here because I looked up at him and I said, well, under the Anti-Discrimination and Equal Opportunity Act, I demand that you give full respect to my tripod because I'm afraid of heights. <laughs> he looked at, down at me again and he said, fair enough. You'll have to wait for the cherry picker to arrive. Now... The thing is with this tripod that it, because it was made out of such short pieces, the apex was really, really skinny and my bum is fairly bony and no one had sort of thought to leave any padding there for me to sort of... So I was condemned by my own mind here to sit there and wait for the cherry picker. Well... My my uh, my entertainment friends, the dear departed Morty and Steve Tripp, um, they thought that they'd have a bit of fun too, you know, like you can't keep some of these Leo entertainers down. They all want their own bloody stage, you know. And so Mort wriggled out and, you know, like a, a, anyone seen these tripods, you know, they're, they're really tall, you know, and, and for people to get food and water, they, it has to be thrown up to them. So, so Mort lay on his side and wriggled out into the road and threw some food and water up to me from, <laughs> from about 50 centimetres from the ground. And I, of course, sort of tried to catch it, but I'm not very good at catching stuff, you know. And so fumbled and dropped it and, you know, he tried again. And Anyway, the, look, honestly, the police were just killing themselves with laughter and, and, and fi you know, finally the cherry picker arrived and, and, and the inspector said, righto, well, you're going to be the first one arrested. And I thought, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute, they're, they're not actually going to arrest me, are they? <laughs> I mean, this is a bit like don't shoot the jester sort of thing, you know? Like, and I, I sort of thought, well, I know what the go is, you know, I just go all floppy and, and the two great big policemen grabbed hold of me one either arm and just lifted me off my great big tripod and, and, and I just went floppy and they dragged me down towards the, uh, the paddy wagon and just lay me down and walked off laughing and so there you have it the story of the 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 smallest tripod in history
That was just hilarious. <laughs> Someone else. That was Jeremy Bradley. On Bat TV, which was the Bulga Access Television channel that we had in Earlands, that the dear departed Tab operated. But I did go to Chilundi too. And your story, Jeremy, explains why one morning we were putting a tripod up and, yes, we'd had a big night because I think that was when Earth Reggae came and we'd been up partying, so we were late. The cops arrived and we just went, oh, my God. Anyway, the lead cop said, hmm, we can't get any um, reception here to go and, uh, you know, radio through to our pals. We'll be back in 10 minutes. And gave us a big wink and off they went. And we had time to do everything. And I think, you know, there was a bit of side liaisoning going on. But um, I think the thing, your tale, Chalundi 1 and 2, but Chalundi 1 was a, um expo of everybody's talents, really. There was, you know, the music... The artistry, the puppetry, um, engineering. My God, there were feats of engineering, which went on in a lot of blockades. All the different devices that got um, perfected over time, I suppose you could say. Um, and that's, I think, what we have to do again, really, is just go out there and have the most glorious, productive fun. Now, I've got quite a few other stories, but none of Chalundi. So um, I'll be back, you lucky things. Thank you very much. And, yep, we've got a couple more. So here's a quick one. Yep. Thank you. Um, so I was finally 12 when Chalundi came around and I was old enough to sort of go on my own steam. So... Um, me and a friend, Ram, went, obviously with our parents, um, but um, I uh, was determined to get involved. The only problem was I was on crutches and I had a plaster cast from my crutch to my ankle. And uh, we, were, we were helping at base camp for a while, making uh, little bamboo bombs to put in the fire that was mentioned before near the bridge so it made it look like the bridge was exploding but nothing was really happening and uh, the next day there was a, a plan for everyone to walk up to the top camp where the blockade was actually happening so I was determined to get there unfortunately it was about 10 or 12 k's up a dirt road and uh, basically if you were found on the road you would get taken back out to the front gate and you had to start again. So every time a car came, we'd have to launch off the, off the road into the bush and using crutches, I would literally launch myself into Lantana and whatnot and every time the cars came. And we finally got up there and we delivered our water and food and whatnot to the, to the people up there and, and we, we wouldn't have stayed more than half an hour and we had to go back and... On the way back, I just decided that I'd rather get picked up. So in the end, I think we've got to lift back with uh, the police officers and um, 
we ended up sitting at the front gate and Dylan was with me and we ended up sitting there having a cup of tea with the coppers and uh, it was it was a really good experience for me as a 12-year-old to realise that, you know, it wasn't all a battle and we had to fight hard and it was the, that we weren't breaking the law necessarily, we were actually there trying to uphold it and so for that moment to have cup of tea with the cops and and have done the whole mission up to the uh, the top blockade and it, it it was nice to to sort of lighten the the uh, process a little and and make us feel like make me feel like we're on the right side i guess Thank you, Shady. Now, uh, I'll just ask everyone when you come up to just say your name so that for people who don't know you, first or last or both. <laughs> Hi, I'm Linda Gill um, and I wasn't at Washpool or Chalundi number one. But Greg and I, my better half over there, my dearest friend and partner, we got involved with NIFA back in... I think 89, we went to a North Coast Environment Council meeting. We'd only been city refugees up in Wootton, down near Bulladeela for five years, I suppose, and gravitated to an environment group and then gravitated to the thing called North Coast Environment Council. Then we met Dylan <laughs> and we found out about the North East Forest Alliance. So we became part of it. And we were, along with Marg and Barry and many people from Newcastle who weren't sure whether they were twiz or what, and then there was that weird thing that went on with them. And So we got involved and we headed up to Chalundi 91 and it was amazing. I think, Kath, you said that and in all your communal living and all the time you've been amongst collectives, um, it really did develop to be one of the most amazing collectives I've ever seen and experienced and lived through and most probably will live through again. So, But there we go. Greg and I go up. We were quite green, actually. <laughs> Not pun the pun. <laughs> but we turned up and they, a lot of them had been working and, as you said, Jeremy, great description um, from... The, uh, from the first obstacles, the tripods, the pipes, uh, the pipes under the ground, the pipes horizontal, vertical, uh, you name it, they were there. So Dylan suggests the first, this is the first night that we all land and we know the police is turning up, would we accompany him down to the front so we can warn everyone up the back that they're here and they're coming. So, yep, we head down there spend a really anxious night, I know I did, and uh, in the wee-wee dark hours of the morning they turned up and I'm thinking, oh, there might be ten of them, you know, there might be a few of them, a handful of them, but they came. They actually literally came and they just kept coming and they kept coming and they came in their numbers. And what was amazing was to think what they were going to find behind us. They met three people with a little car or two cars fine, you know, nothing's going on here. And then that was it from the obstacles daily, I mean, from that time on, just going up there. And the engineering feats were incredible. 
I mean, the skills that people learned and adapted and it was incredible to see. And as Jeremy said, what was interesting is that uh, the thing about it wasn't a 24-hour siege, it was a nine-to-five siege. <laughs> the police would turn up at oh, 8.30, 9 o'clock, we'd all say, good morning, Ralph, good morning, Sam. They'd come in and then it'd be on for your life and many of us would be taken off. And I did, one of the things I found interesting is the amount of us who got carted to Grafton, let go, only to just come straight back again and build into the night. We just kept doing that and it was amazing. And and the groups of people, the, the demographics of people was incredible. You really had your hardcore hippies. You had your hardcore, I mean, you had trades people, you had professional people. We had punks. We had this group of punks from London that were just mind-blowing, absolutely mind-blowing. Yeah, flow. And, look, punk boots, punk, they, they were formidable. They would go under pipes, lock on together and be there for 24 hours sometimes in situations that you think some people would just go mad in. Um and another group that was incredible was Kath talked about a time where we were nearly broken, where it really was feeling as though they'd had crunched us. We're waiting on stuff that's going on in Sydney. There's the bush lawyer down there and we've got the bush tiners up here and there's people standing in the way. And all of a sudden this group came up, This women, these women came up. And really I feel really privileged that I have evolved into a knitting nana against coal seam gas and greed. I urge anyone who wants to get involved, do that. Um, but our first knitting nanas were actually a green group of women who came up, they sat in front of us and they knitted. And do you know, the attention that was brought about by those women doing what they did was powerful. We end up, the green grannies, green grannies? ended up on Ray Martin, they ended up in Women's Weekly and it really helped to bring the profile of NIFA, but not just NIFA, the old growth forest and all those precious creatures that we were fighting for. So, I mean, I'll stick to just there. I hung it around for quite a while. Um, I actually walked off the blockade in Chilandi and got elected into local government. And uh, many of us went out into some amazing fields. I mean, it's incredible where we all went and what we did. Um, so I might even come back after when we've moved along because there were many blockades. <laughs> they come and um, and we really did make history. So I felt proud. I know my husband and I really felt privileged to be amongst a group of people who they just don't get any better than earth protectors, climate warriors and people who stand up in defence of our planet. Um, you know, it's... It's the thing that lets us be here. <laughs> so without looking after it uh, and, and giving love to it and treating it as a precious thing, uh, we're seeing what the implications of not caring for it is happening now. So thank you. That was Linda Gill recounting her stories of the Chelundian blockades of the past. Okay. Uh, yeah. 
Um, hi, it's Kath again. I kicked it off before. I just wanted to acknowledge someone who's not here today who I believe played a vital role in all those blockades, and that was our communications man, Terry Placing. And he also took a lot of photographs as well. He's not here today, and I, I just wanted to mention him. Thank you. Real entertainers of the front line. Uh, I'd like to mention uh, that entertainment, comedy, and music has always been uh, a significant part of the frontline activism. And a few people tragically aren't here anymore. There's Mookie and Shanto. Uh, there's Paul Joseph. Tragic. Okay, so um, the other thing that I'd like to say about uh, comedy is that comedy on the front line is really, really powerful and also also voices are. Um, some of the comedy, uh, Linda actually reminded me of, uh, of, of one of the really powerful pieces of comedy that we did at Chalundi and it was so simple. As as she said, there were, it was a kind of a nine to five thing. The the police would come up and they would get all the way through the blockades, and by the time they got to the end of the blockades, it was knock off time, and they drove back to and they drove back to Grafton, and uh, that left everyone time to recreate the the blockades, and they'd come up the hill in the morning, and and you know. If anyone's ever seen that old uh, cartoon with the sheepdog and the coyote, Ralph and Sam, you know, and they, they bundy on and bundy off in the morning, you know, like in, in the evening, and they come on with their little lunch pail and they, you know, there's this thing, morning Ralph and morning Sam. Ralph's the sheepdog protecting the sheep and Sam's the predator uh, coyote that's come to, to get the sheep. Well... Well, we started this morning, Ralph, and and the police said, oh, they twigged, oh, morning, Sam, and then and then the, the next day we'd go, morning, Sam, and they go, morning, Ralph, hang on, weren't you Ralph yesterday? How come you're Sam today? And it sort of, it, it brought this strange dynamic into the thing that really was powerful because we were able to then say, well, who's the predator and who's the guardian here? So just um, as we go into this new phase of forest protection, and I've got to say that that the threat is even more dire now with the idea that you can put forests in a furnace for green power, the threat's even more dire now, and it looks like we are going back to the blockades. Very sad, you know, at my age. I, oh, well, I, I, I actually never got arrested in any of the blockades. I have never been arrested. So maybe in this later life stage of, uh, of blockading, I can get arrested. But always before it's, you know, always before it's like I'm, I'm just the entertainer, you know, like a, as a matter of fact, the entertainment at Chalundi was so good 
that the cops went down to town one pay night and they all came, turned up the next day with hangovers and they said, we did every pub in Grafton last night and we couldn't find anything as good as you guys. <laughs> Here's cheers. Is the lock on plate? Yep. Okay. Just doing the gold leg minor. Okay. Hello. Uh, the next song is. Hello. Yes. The next song is about the Timbara blockade, which was a gold mine that did go ahead after. Lots of blockading, um, and this song is called The Gold Leg Miner, a bit of a take on an old Celtic tune.
Thank you.